we begin today with a word of prayer. Merciful God, we give you thanks that you have gathered us here to hear your word. For Lord, we know that your word is powerful. It creates worlds. It calls the dead to life. And it puts faith in our hearts. And so please be with us this day. Help us to hear your word in faith so that we might live lives in obedience to you. Grant us your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so today, as we've talked about a little bit already, and we heard Jim just doing the children's message, uh, today we are beginning our new discipleship series for this fall called Life in Christ. And what we're going to be doing uh, throughout this series is re-engaging you with this promise that Jesus Christ made to you, this marvelous promise that he spoke over you in your baptism. And the promise is this, you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. A disciple is a person who has been baptized into Christ Jesus and the person who God continually gives his word to. We read about this in the Great Commission. Uh, Go make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them. Well, you are those disciples, those who are baptized and those who are taught. You become a disciple because Jesus decided to rescue you and to save you. He has called you out of the dominion of darkness in which you were enslaved to Satan and to sin and to death, and he has rescued you from that by dying in your place on the cross. He has conquered Satan, and he has won for you forgiveness of sins and everlasting life. You belong to him because he purchased you with his blood. And now we wait for him to return. For he will come again to judge the living and the dead, and on that day, as his disciple, you will hear the wonderful news that he has prepared a place for you. But what we're doing now, what we're doing for the next number of weeks, is we're talking about what does life look like while we wait for Jesus to return? How are we as disciples to live in this sort of in-between time, this time between uh, being saved and now between Jesus' return? What does the life of the disciple look like? I mean, this this whole story is, uh, I just told you, sounds very churchy and very nice, but really, practically speaking, what does it look like to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? Well, we believe this here at Community Lutheran Church, that a disciple is one who has been addressed by God in his word. A disciple is one whom God speaks to. And when God's word is spoken, whether it's his law to convict us in our sins or his gospel to bring us his forgiveness, when God speaks, disciples hear. So when we gather for worship, we hear God's word and worship. But God gives us his word in scriptures, in a book. And he calls us to delight in those scriptures, to to, uh, pour over those scriptures, to internalize those scriptures. God teaches us. The Holy Spirit teaches us. By means of that word. So when the Holy Spirit teaches, disciples learn. We say here at our church that disciples are those who learn God's word by studying it together. And then finally, in this life, God gives to us his word, and his word shows us our neighbors. It shows people around us who need us to love them. God gives us the gift of neighbors of brothers and sisters in Christ and people in our families and neighborhoods and workplaces and the people who surround us. And God calls us as his disciples to go out and love those people, to care for those people. So when God gives us a neighbor to love, disciples care for everyone God gives. 
As disciples of Jesus, we are those who hear God's word in worship, we learn God's word in Bible study, and we care for everyone God gives us. This hear, learn, care is going to be like the language that dominates us around here at Community Lutheran Church. You've hopefully seen the really cool banners we have outside. We have devotions to help you understand this a little bit better. Our Bible studies are going to focus on it uh, over the next number of weeks. We want you to understand what it means to be a disciple here at CLC. But you need to understand this. This whole concept of hearing and learning and caring is not just something we kind of cooked up in a staff meeting one day. But this pattern of hearing and learning and caring is really found everywhere throughout the scriptures. We heard it already this morning in Psalm chapter 1. Think about it. In Psalm chapter 1, it describes a tree that is planted by living water. That tree is like this disciple whom God has planted by the living water. And that water is the word. And when the word hits the tree, the roots grow strong, the trunk grows, tr- uh, the trunk grows tall, which is really hard to say fast. The trunk grows tall. And it produces fruit, the caring, the hearing for for, uh, strong roots, the learning to grow tall, and uh, the the, the fruits, which are the caring, the good works that we do. This is the pattern. We see this pattern as well as we come here today to the book of Deuteronomy. And if you were with us last week, you might recall that we said Deuteronomy is really a wonderful book to teach us about what it means to be disciples. Because Deuteronomy is this book where God is talking to his people whom he has rescued from slavery and is now bringing into the promised land. The Israelites were those who were enslaved to Pharaoh in Egypt. God rescued them, he redeemed them, he saved them, and then they sinned against him, so he sent them into the wilderness for 40 years. And Deuteronomy is the book that he writes to them, that he gives to them, just before those 40 years come to an end and they entered into the promised land. So they've received redemption and salvation, and now they're receiving the promised land, and they're asking the question, how should we live? How should we live in the land that God is giving us? That's the question for us. How should we live as disciples? And that's what the hear, learn, care is all about. How do our lives look as we wait for Jesus to return? Because here's the thing. You have not been rescued from a mere pharaoh and slavery in Egypt, but God has done something far greater for you. He has rescued you from Satan's tyranny. He has rescued you from your sins. He has rescued you from death because Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. He has not brought you through uh, some uh, waters into the wilderness that you could wander for 40 years. Rather, he has taken your sins upon himself so he might carry those to the cross and bleed and die for you in your place and then rise again on the third day to promise you eternal life but to promise you that that life is yours now. So how do we live now as those crucified and risen with Jesus Christ? Well, today we're going to start by looking at, again, as we've mentioned a number of times now, uh, what it means to hear this word. Hearing in the scriptures is the foundational and the fundamental position of the disciple. To hear what God has to say is the primary place for the disciple to be. If you don't believe me, look at this word that God speaks to the Israelites today. And not just to the Israelites, but I think this word is very fundamental and foundational for who we are as the people of God as well. God is telling Israel who he is. He's telling them everything he has done for them. And then he says this word. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Now the the, the Israelites heard that word And for them, that became their creed. 
That was like their confession of faith. Like we do the Apostles' Creed here every Sunday. That was their creed or their confession. It's called the Great Shema. And I forgot my Hebrew, so I'm not sure I remember what it means. I think it means the great name, God giving his name to his people. But God gives them this great Shema, this confession of faith. And if you pay close attention to it, what you find here in this word is that it consists of both a command and a promise. The command is to hear, but the promise is this. The Lord your God is one. And if you read in the previous chapter, you get the Ten Commandments, and you say, who is this Lord? This is the Lord, he says, who, I am the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. I am the one God, I am the one Lord, and there are no others. And I am your, the Lord our God is one. Here in this great word, God gives himself to his people. He tells them that he belongs to them and they belong to him. He is their Lord. The God of heaven and earth is their God. And they are to hear what he has to say. Listening to him constitutes who they are. And in hearing what God has to say, suddenly it opens their mouths to confess his word, to say it back to him. They're not making up this God. They're not creating him out of their own minds. Rather, they receive what he says and they confess back to him, here's who we believe you are. I am your God. This is our God. This is the pattern. God speaks and it opens our mouths to confess. God gives us his word and we respond in faith and prayer and praise. And so the word of God comes to you and to me and it says, I am the Lord your God. Hear this, O community Lutheran church. I am the Lord your God who has sent his son to die on the cross for your sins, who has raised him from the dead, who has brought you into my kingdom, who has forgiven all of your sins. I am the God who does all of this for you. That word defines who we are. Jesus thought this was a rather important thing for God to say as well. There was one time uh, when Jesus was approached by one of his detractors and they came to him and they said, "Uh, what is the greatest commandment? What is the most important thing God says in all the scriptures, and Jesus looks at the man and he says those very words. He says, the most important is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and all your strength. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. See, even for Jesus, he sees uh, the foundational and the fundamental position of the disciple as one who hears. The most important thing you do is hear. Because it's from what you hear that drives how you live. So God has called his people to be a hearing people. We heard it again in Romans chapter uh, 10 today, whatever the Romans reading was that Mike did today. Faith comes through hearing. So disciples are those who need to constantly be hearing from our God. What he says about the world we live in, what he says about our sins and our struggles, about our fears and our pains, about our joys and our happiness, and most importantly, about his son, Jesus Christ. That's what happens when we gather for worship. That's what happens in this place every Sunday morning. We're not just coming here to sing some songs that we like, or if I pick them, songs you don't like. And we don't just come here to hear a really fascinating lecture about what a God might be like. No, we come here to hear God speak himself, to hear his word, to have him open our ears and our eyes to see the world the way he wants us to see it, to believe the promises that he makes to us. 
When we come here, God comes to us in the power of the Holy Spirit to comfort us or to convict us, to kill us and to give us life. That's what happens when we hear God's word and worship, and we need to be hearing it constantly. We constantly need this word put into our ears because there are far too many other messages that are, we are hearing in this world, and these other messages are forming us and shaping us in ways that might not be pleasing to God. We are a people who are perpetually fed information. We are having all kinds of messages imposed upon us constantly. And what these messages in our world try to do is they seek to define us. They seek to tell us who we are or what we should be. I mean, think about this for a second. In our culture, what defines you? What defines you? In our culture, you are defined as a consumer. That is what you are. You are defined by what you buy, and what you buy says something about who you are. We can your clothes, we can look at your car, we can look at uh, the TV shows that you purchase and watch, we can look at uh, the music you listen to. These things help us categorize you and define you. Shoot, even the clothes we buy now somehow have political statements. If you buy Nike shoes all of a sudden, you are suddenly on one side of the aisle or another. We're defined by these things somehow. You're defined demographically by your age, by your color by your race, by your gender, by how you vote, what news station do you watch? All of this is sort of working together for, so the culture, so that the, 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 the powers that be can figure out who you are. Why? So they can define you and figure out how to sell stuff to you. You're a consumer. And if they can just figure you out, they know how to get you to buy their product. That's how we work. That's, that's how this world works. You are a consumer being consumed by the culture. You are a means to someone else's financial end. And don't pretend like you don't like it. Don't pretend like you don't enjoy a society that can define you in order to customize the world to your preferences. We're, we're made to feel like our preferences should drive our existence. And you know we kind of like it? We kind of like the stuff that we like, and if someone could just make it a little bit cheaper, we'd be a lot happier. The world treats us as consumers, and we're sold. We buy in. In other words, our ears <laughs> are filled with the wax of consumerism and narcissism. This is how we work in our society, and all of it is causing us to go deaf to the word of God. Hearing this word is hard with all the noise taking place, so Christ still comes to us. In all the noise, and all the chaos, and all the selfishness, and all the, uh, the, the, the manipulation taking place in this world, Christ continues to come to us in his still, small voice, in the worship service. He comes to us to get this junk out of our ears so our mouths would be set free to pray. There's a beautiful picture of what happens in worship for us today in that gospel reading that we heard. Beautiful in kind of a gross sort of way. This marvelous account where these friends bring a man to Jesus. And by the way, we all need friends like that. We all need to be friends like that. That when someone is struggling, we can bring them to Jesus. And this man is deaf and he cannot speak. He has a speech impediment. 
So they bring him to Christ to help him, and Jesus pulls him aside away from the crowd, and he looks down at the man, and he takes his fingers, and he puts them in his ears. And Jim said there was a wet willy. Listen, there was spitting going on because he puts his fingers in his ears, and then he spits and touches his tongue. And what happened? Jesus says this marvelous word, ephaphatha, which means be open. And the man's ears are open. Jesus gives him ears to hear, and he loosens his tongue so he can speak. He gives him ears to hear and a mouth to pray and to praise and to give thanks. That's what happens when we gather here for worship. Jesus gets his word into our ears and opens our mouths to sing his praise. And he does so by not defining you the way the world defines you. You see, he's not here to sell you anything. He doesn't have a product that he wants you to buy. He's simply here to make you a promise. To have this good news delivered into your hard-hearted ears. You are forgiven. The world defines you in any number of ways it can sell something to you. Jesus simply says, you are a sinner for whom I have died. I have baptized you. That is what defines you. You are forgiven. That is what defines you. My blood was shed for you. I'm not selling you anything. I purchased you with my blood so that you would be my own. You are not what you buy. You are not how you vote. You are a sinner saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. You are a beloved child of God. You are a disciple. And when that word gets in our ears, it sets our tongues loose to sing, to worship, to pray, to praise, to give thanks, to go to our God and rejoice in all that He has done for us. This is why disciples are those who gather to hear God's word in worship. Because it is that word against all the noise of the world that tells us who we are. Beloved children of the Heavenly Father, forgiven sinners, and disciples. That's why you're here today. To hear that good news for you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks that you come to us in your word. And with your word, you convict us of our sins and you drive us to repent. And in that, Lord, you then come to us with your word of mercy and forgiveness to raise us to a new life and to declare us to be your own. Teach us, Lord, to understand our lives in light of your saving and forgiving word. Fix our eyes always on your son, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And Lord, teach us to remain faithful and sustain us in our faith until he comes again. In his name we pray. Amen.